Hello friends, it's Brittany here and welcome back to the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast. This podcast is a spin-off my blog, BrittanyAMoses.com, where I talk about the intersection of faith and mental health and how that applies to our everyday lives. You're listening to episode three and thank you guys so much for your prayers. Last episode, I was so sick. I had the worst flu, but we pushed through it and I am so happy to be healed and recovered because there's some pretty great stuff I want to talk about with you guys and especially today um, talking about fear, trauma, and how our anxiety looks on the brain. I have mentioned here on the podcast as well as on the blog that I have personally struggled with anxiety and you know continue to try to face it in the most healthy way possible when it does pop up. I've also talked to a lot of friends recently who are seeing anxiety rear its head in their lives in the most unexpected situations. I would even argue that there are a lot of people experiencing anxiety that do not realize it is anxiety and therefore aren't dealing with it in a a healthy manner. And so we want to talk about that today. We want to talk about what anxiety looks like, what those triggers look like, and also some tips on how to overcome those thoughts, that emotional hijacking that takes place. And my hope is that by the end of this podcast, you'll feel maybe a little less crazy (laughs) about your experience with anxiety because it's not only emotional or psychological, but there are biological things going on in the brain that are causing you to respond the way that you do. And it really is your brain trying to look out for you, but sometimes not assessing the situations appropriately or properly and kind of failing us. There's a kind of breakdown in the system. And I think we've all done this at some point in our minds where the fear seemed very, very real, so much that it blurred the lines between reality and our imagination. And it's caused us to maybe overreact about a situation that we didn't, in all reality, need to fear. So let's start off with triggers. If you went through my 7 Day Anxiety Detox e-series, triggers was what we talked about with day one. And I got some emails from you guys asking me, well, how do I identify my triggers and such? And not all of anxiety is caused by triggers, but a lot of it is. And a lot of that is rooted in trauma. So if you have experienced something traumatic in your life, your brain has been formed by that experience to learn that experience person or event is something to fear, is something to stay away from. It has been encoded in your brain as a threat. There are literal neural pathways in your brain that are associated with fear and the fear response. It's called the limbic system and it is located in the center of your brain and it is associated with fear and memory. Neuroscientists have found that the amygdala is highly associated with fear and the hippocampus is associated with memory and the two are working together. So your brain is constantly learning and shaping based off of experience. And so when you go through something traumatic that evokes fear, it 
is it is stored in your memory even if it's subconsciously if something bad or painful happens to you that has been dangerous it's not like you have to tell your brain hey remember this moment remember this experience and stay away from it your brain is automatically documenting these things through memory especially when it comes to trauma and it's really meant to protect you so that if dangers appear, you can protect yourself, you can fight or flight, you can recognize a threat when it's there. The only problem is many times we have situations in our life that look similar to um, traumatic experiences that have happened before in our lives, but they're not the same thing. They're not something to be feared, but we experience an emotional hijacking. And an emotional hijacking is basically when our fear response reacts quicker than our reason and judgment. There's a researcher who I really love, who is well known, and his name is Joseph Ledeau. And he's really specialized in studying those fear areas of the brain. And what he found is that there is a neural pathway that goes directly to the fear center of our brain to warn us that something is a threat. And it goes there quicker than it goes to the reasoning center of our brain, which is our frontal lobes, where we make better judgment calls. It's our thinking and planning and reasoning center. So what it does is it allows us to quickly respond to threats and danger, but it is an emotional hijacking because the fear response areas of your brain are literally acting faster than the judgment center of your brain. In a perfect situation, this would be a great thing. For example, if you see a rattlesnake, your reaction is going to be to run away from it. You don't need to think about this. You don't need to process it. You're just going to defend yourself. Or if you see a car that is quickly swerving into your lane that could turn into an accident, your automatic fear reaction is to flight, is to maybe break or go into the next lane or whatever you have to do to protect yourself. So in all reality and in a perfect situation, this operates well. It operates, operates the way that it should so that we can keep ourselves safe. However, in real life situations, it does not always operate well because like I said, we assess things in our lives with people and relationships and events and situations that look like a threat, but they might not be. So here's how I want you to think about the brain. The brain works with associations. It Through our experiences, it associates experiences as either good or bad, pleasing or disgusting. It makes those associations and creates a foundation or a schema or structure in our mind that we begin to see things through. We have a very associative brain. So I want to give some examples. For example, maybe you were in a relationship with someone who was a habitual liar or a habitual cheater. Every time they went out, they were really off with someone else. Or they, when they weren't responding to your text, it was because they were with someone else. That was a situation that was a threat for you. It was a traumatic situation. Now you meet someone new and you're in a new relationship with someone who is of good character that you can trust, but down the line, these fear associations with your past relationships start popping up. So maybe this person didn't text you back all day. Because of your 
experience and memory and learning of relationships from the past one, you might automatically think, oh my gosh, is this person with someone else? Are they cheating on me? You know, what's really going on? Something sketchy must be happening when it's really not. Maybe they were busy all day. Maybe they were working all day. Maybe they lost their phone or their phone died. But you've already, your brain has already made associations. Um, and so now you have anxiety about this relationship constantly. Anxiety in relationships is a very common example of a, an emotional hijacking where your fear response, your learned fear response is operating quicker than your reasoning and judgment. Another common example is car accidents. And all these things I'm mentioning are examples of triggers. And triggers are basically fear associations in the brain that revoke those same emotions because it's become a learned fear. So car accident. Say you got into a car accident, a really bad one on the freeway, and you had a hard recovery process after that. That is a traumatic situation. So now your brain has associated the freeway with accidents and that has become a trigger for anxiety so now you stay off the freeway you don't take the free any freeway anymore you only take the streets because riding on the freeway gives you extreme anxiety another example is panic attacks and panic attacks are frightening they resemble the symptoms of heart attacks they can come on randomly for people where all of a sudden you can't breathe your head is spinning you literally feel like you're gonna die some people have a more have had them more intense than others but say you're at a meeting at work in a conference room and you have a panic attack in that conference room. Well, now you've associated that conference room or wherever location you've had your panic attack with panic attacks. So you stay away from that situation. That's a trigger for you. And, you know, these things can go as deep as sexual assault. I'm going to speak openly about it because it happens. If you've been sexually assaulted at some point in your life, that can make it hard to experience intimacy going forward. And I don't just mean physically. I mean even just with trusting the opposite sex. Relationships and physical touch might be a very, very frightening thing for you. Or that might be a, a very big boundary for you because of sexual assault. So that would be a trigger. That would be an example of a fear response. What's hard about this is that the brain is also like a muscle. So when we practice certain thoughts and responses with our brain over and over again, it gets stronger. Literally those neural pathways get stronger and it becomes more of an automatic response. So these are all examples of emotional hijackings. And this is why it's good to, you know, give something 24 hours before responding to it or wait or talk through it with somebody before reacting so that your emotions can subside, that emotional uh, hijacking can work itself back to the reasoning center, have some time for judgment and reasoning um, so that we can assess situations more appropriately.
It's also so important to talk about and work through traumatic experiences instead of just burying them because they are being associated in your brain, whether you recognize it or not, and they can pop back up when certain triggers happen. So it's important to talk about that and be able to more reasonably assess what happened so that it doesn't become a bondage in your life. That being said, here are some of my quick tips on what to do when you are experiencing an emotional hijacking. First of all, I would absolutely recommend speaking through this with a therapist or counselor. Something that really will help address this is cognitive behavioral therapy. A lot of times a cognitive behavioral therapist will look at pretty much the structure of your thinking process, that schema I was telling you about, that foundation that has formed in your brain of how to view these experiences based on associations. And cognitive behavioral therapy will help you restructure that thinking into a more healthy, rational way to see life and these experiences so that you can live a fully functioning life. I also recommend the 24-hour or 5-hour rule, however long it takes for your emotions to subside and your reasoning to come into play when these situations happen. I always say do not trust your fear, right? It seems rational in the moment, it makes sense in your mind in the moment, but you are experiencing a, an emotional hijacking where your frontal lobes, your thinking and planning center has literally shut down and given way to fear. So take some deep breaths, go drink some water, call a friend and talk about it first. And you'll see that it can help a lot in the moment. It can help defuse your brain in that situation. Again, it's not just you and your emotions. Your brain is literally experiencing a hijacking. Another thing I do that I recommend a lot is journaling. Conduct sort of an experiment with yourself. Be your own subject. Write about the thoughts that you're having, the, you know, the voice of your fears, what is it saying about the situation, and then step back and look at it and think about some other perspectives. Think about some other outcomes, like I said earlier with the relationship. Maybe his phone died or her phone died. Maybe they're, they're busy at work. Wait, write down some alternative theories about the situation, and then you'll realize that your, your fears are focusing in on just the negative, and there's a good chance that it, it's imagined and it's not completely real. Another powerful option is actually facing your fears. And that's quite terrifying, um, the idea of leaning into the thing that you fear rather than running away from it when everything within you is telling you to. And in this, there's a difference between healthy boundaries and safety behaviors. And I want to talk about that really quickly. We put healthy boundaries in place in our lives when people, things, or situations are toxic and we know it is just unfruitful to stay in that situation and to stay away from it. However, safety behaviors are more of an avoidance behavior. 
It's essentially when you build your life around your fears and it makes it very debilitating for you. It's kind of like that quote, the fears we don't face become our limits. And you do want to be careful with this because it's something that you can do incrementally by yourself or with a friend, or you can consider exposure therapy. And this is very common, especially if you're dealing with phobias or OCD. And essentially what exposure therapy is, is that, you know, little by little you are exposing yourself to the thing or situation that you fear. And as you step into it, you are discovering that, hey, this is not as terrible as I thought. I'm still alive. Basically, by experience, you are relearning the situation to not be as much of a threat as you've been perceiving because of previous learned experiences. So for example, maybe you struggle with social anxiety. You have a hard time meeting new people, going into situations with new people, making new friends because maybe you struggle with rejection or maybe you were bullied when you were a, a girl or a boy and so your safety behavior is to stay away from public gatherings. It's to stay away from groups of people or new situations because you are afraid that you will get rejected or not accepted, etc. And what it actually does is limits you from those social connections and relationships that you do need that might turn out to be positive and very helpful. So something that you might practice in facing your fear and exposure therapy is maybe challenge yourself once a week. You know, this week, I want you to make eye contact with eight people each day. Eight strangers that you don't know that you pass at work or on the street or at school, just make eye contact and give them a smile or give them a wave or say hello to the cashier at the grocery store. What you'll find is that connecting with people and talking to people that you don't know isn't always so terrible. You know, nobody's going to punch you in the face for saying hello. Um, maybe the next week your challenge is to go to a, a small group at church or go to church and say hello to the greeter or sit down to somebody different and just learn their name and how long they've been going to that church or that gathering. So you expose yourself little by little to these things. And like I said earlier, by re-experiencing these situations or these initial triggers and seeing that the outcome is not always a bad thing or doesn't automatically result in pain and destruction, uh, you know, you basically can recondition your brain to see that you don't have to react with fear. And that comes with practice. There are so many different areas of anxiety that we can talk about from the brain to the psychological process to healthy boundaries and safety behaviors. But I really, really hope that this episode has helped at least been a starting point for some insight on what you're facing with anxiety and how to start overcoming now that you understand because that's the goal of understanding when when we know what's going on 
um, whether it's biologically or psychologically, then we can, then the next time it happens, we can remind ourselves like, okay, I'm having an emotional hijacking right now. I need to take some deep breaths. I need to call my friend and we need to reason through this or I need to set up a conversation or meeting with my therapist so I can work this out um, because this is clearly an associated fear or trigger in my life that I want to deal with if I'm going to go forward in, in an abundant and fruitful life and not be limited by these fears. It's totally possible. It doesn't mean it's going to happen overnight, but in practice, you can begin to desensitize some of those high alert fears and anxieties that are in your life by addressing those triggers. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback regarding this episode, please don't hesitate to hit me up on social media or my email. Um, I have all the links to my personal accounts in the description. I love hearing from you guys. I learned so much from your experiences. And if this episode really resonated with you, I do want to recommend you go through my 7-Day Anxiety Detox e-series that is on my website. BrittanyAmoses.com, as well as the Faith and Mental Wellness app, which is which is free and available at Apple stores and Google Play stores. That series is all about breaking down anxiety and looking at it from a biblical perspective as well as a psychological perspective. So it's very integrated, and I've gotten so much feedback on how helpful it is on how. Many of you have never thought of it in these ways, and so it's helped your recovery a lot, and I'm so happy to hear that. Like, it really blesses me. I take my time and invest in these things in hopes that it will make somebody's life a little bit easier to face these things. Know that I am praying for every single person who listens to these podcasts or read my blogs that you are being touched by the healing power of Jesus Christ through your recovery, through these situations, because there is a spiritual component to our healing that does a work in us that we cannot humanly do ourselves. I am a witness of that in my own mental health recoveries. And I pray that the same work God has done within me, he will continue to do within you. And it will be a witness of his light in the broken places and that he can use anyone and any situation to show his glory. Amen. Thank you for joining me. Until next time. Thank you.